Well, hello, Rockbridge. Uh, what, my name is Matt, and uh, just glad that you are here. However you're here, we're in six locations, four in northwest Georgia, two up in Tennessee, and we're multiple languages. We're one church, multiple locations, one mission, one vision. So, hey, however you're gathered with us, online, in person, uh, we're just honored, delighted that you're here with us. We're in uh, the middle of a series called Unfollow, and just to kind of catch you up on the premise of the series, we, we've all said, hey, we're made to follow. We follow sports teams. We follow people on social media. Jesus offers an invitation, and the invitation is used is given in this language. Hey, come and follow me. And what, we're, what we've discovered is, hey, if I'm going to follow Christ, if I'm going to follow the living God, and I will most likely need to unfollow some things that, ha- that I have picked up, that I have accumulated, that will keep me from following hard or following Jesus passionately, completely, and, and with all my heart. So that's the premise of, of, of our series. And, and then I'm going to talk today about something that all, that all of us bring with us and that impacts us no matter who we are, no matter what we've gone through, right? We all have, this is all true of everybody listening, myself included, that every single one of us, we have a tendency to bring our past with us. It's like baggage that you just sort of accumulate as you go along, and the the bag gets bigger and the bag gets heavier, and you end up, you know, when you're 20, you're bringing your past with you. When you're 15, you're bringing your past with you. And it just accumulates along the way. And it sort of becomes, and we even use this language, well, that's just who I am. Or, or you don't know what I've gone through. Or, or you don't know what happened to me. And, and, and so when we say things like that, we're acknowledging that our past is just with us, uh, not in a, like just a biographical sense, like, hey, I, I was raised in the South, or hey, you know, when I was young, we used to always go to, you know, uh, Disneyland or whatever, it, but it accumulates with us in a powerful way, in, in a way that shapes us, in, in a way that influences us, and oftentimes in a way that enslaves us. And listen, this is true even if you look back and you're like, man, I, I got a pretty good past. Because he, he, here's what happens if, if man, you, you were a good person raised by a good family and you had a good upbringing and, and, and all of that stuff. And there's been no, no major trauma, no major bad habits, no major addictions, none of that kind of headline-making stuff. So Sometimes the goodness of your past causes you to miss your need for God and that his goodness is still greater. So it doesn't matter what kind of past we're talking about. We have a tendency to bring it with us in a way that eventually shows up in a way that might hinder our ability or our desire of following Jesus. And so here's what we're going to say. We cannot move forward in following God without adequately dealing with our past. And here's my experience. It's my experience personally. It's my experience pastorally when I talk to people one-on-one, kind of over in prayer or in counseling, is most of us, myself included, right? I had a liberating moment from my past sitting beside my wife as she was fighting for her life when she was dealing with leukemia. And I was in New York City, and it was at the hospital bed, and this God, the Holy Spirit, revelation, insight. And I was like, that's what's enslaving me. I'm 36, been following Jesus since I was eight. 
And, and, and I tell you that brief snapshot of my story, my past, to say most of us don't know what to do with our past. It's just part of us, right? And, and we just sort of go through life, and, and it just comes with us, and it comes out sometimes or shows up at other times in ways that may or may not be healthy, in ways that may hinder what God has for us. So we're going to learn today how, how to maybe unfollow our past so that we can follow and enjoy and receive the best God has for us. I, I'm, I'm gonna, there, there's two passages we're going to be in. The first one, I just want to show you how, how this is true of everybody. A guy who wrote half the New Testament, his name was Paul. First it was Saul. God changed his name to Paul. And I just want us to see a little bit of his story because I think we can all identify. All right? Here's the story. Now, Saul, Saul's a devout Jew. He's a very religious person. He was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So he's killing Christians, enslaving Christians, and he thinks he's right. And if you look, and we'll talk about this when we get to the next passage, Paul it has a great past, man, he, he, and he is living it up. In fact, if, if there were a People magazine for an ideal, devout Jewish person, Paul's picture would be on it. Little, little boys born in the Jewish faith and the Jewish race, they would look at Paul and say, man, I want to be like him when I grow up. I mean, he, he was, you know, that, that person that everybody would, would look up to and think, man, that's what success looks like. That's what, you know, that's living the dream. And then something happens. He goes to, he even went to the high priest and he gets letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so he can find out who Christians are, put them in jail, so that if he found men and women who belong to the way, another word named for Christians, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he's traveling, he was nearing the city of Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, and he falls to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, well, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. So he, he didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe the resurrection had happened. And then here Jesus appears to him in a miraculous manifestation. And in one instance, I want you to put yourself in Saul's shoes. In one instance, you realize everything about yourself is wrong. The, the, your pedigree, your performance, everything you've built your identity on is gone. It's gone. And, and some of us can relate, you know, but, but we, we, we just in, in just in a flash, right, in a flash, every way you've been moving, all your past that you're so proud of, in Paul's case, all your past just comes up and, you're, and, and, and suddenly it's no longer valid and, it, and suddenly it, it, it's no longer who you are and you realize, man, I've been on the wrong side of history. And then I think this is one of the most gracious statements in Scripture because God, does, God looks at Paul and says, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. In other words, Paul, despite the fact that you've been wrong, despite the fact that you're on the wrong side of history, I'm here now. And Paul, I still have a purpose for you. The best is still yet to come for you. And I haven't given up on you. I, I, I bet there's people who need to hear that right now. That God Almighty, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what scars you've accumulated, no matter what open wounds are still going on in your soul, God still looks at us and says, hey, get up. The best is yet to come, no matter what your past entails. And so I, I'm going to tell you the big idea of this message, which is I, I, I'm going to use the word prize 
to describe life in Christ. You know, at Rockbridge, we say that we want to glorify God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in Christ. We believe life in Christ. It's the only way to die. It's the very, very best way to live. So I'm going to call Jesus and the life he offers the prize. And I just want everybody to hear me. The prize is available regardless of our past. That's, I think, what Paul discovered on the Damascus Road that day. But here's what we've got to understand. Our past is not disqualifying from the hope of the best is yet to come. Our past does not disqualify us from the fact that God can use us and bless us and and work in us and work on us and work through us. But our past can be very limiting and controlling. And our past can, you know, the most devout Christian in this room can have a past that makes it very hard for you to have a good marriage. The most, the, the most good, the best person in this room, you know, morally you're sufficient, but you might not see your need for Jesus Christ because you look at your past and like, man, I hadn't killed anybody. Right? Your, your past, you can be, you, Matt, I've prayed the prayer, I've been baptized, but you can still go to work and believe that success is what you do and how much money you make. Because that's how you were raised. You were raised in America, baby. So your past and my past can show up in such a way that it can be controlling or limiting and it can be a barrier for what, what God wants to do. And I, I just want to step back for a minute. And when we talk about how life change occurs, here's what happens in most churches. And I'm not even exempting Rockbridge from this. This is why we're praying through this very thing right now in staff and elders and leadership is, man, how do we help people experience the transforming power of Jesus? Because normally here's what we do in the church. Hey, you need to get saved, which means you get your ticket punched to heaven and you've been forgiven for your sins. Then you need to get in church, serve, worship, and and attend. But now, post-COVID, worship and church is really optional or occasional. And then number three, you get on with your life. The problem is you get on with your life and your past has been untouched by the transforming grace and the power of Jesus Christ. And then it shows up again. It shows up in, man, why do you always get angry when you have a difficult conversation? Well, that's how I watched my parents. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why when it comes to money do you get all stressed out and all worried? Well, when I grew up, we just didn't have a lot. Why are you like so suspicious of authority? Well, because I was abused when I was a kid. Well, why do you have a hard time being committed in a relationship? Usually the answer is going to be something from your past. I mean, there's people here this weekend on campus or digitally online And one of the reasons you are having a hard time trusting God as your father is because the past way you were treated by your earthly father is not good. Or or one of the reasons you're having a hard time committing to church, Rockbridge Community Church, is because your past church experience was not good. And, And so if we don't present and share from God's word and by God's spirit, how God helps us overcome, get past our past, then we're deficient. So you see, the past is going to show up with power. And it'll show up in, in pain and scars and woundedness. It shows up in pride. A lot of people look back at their past with this nostalgic pride. And, and it shows up in how we interact with people. 
See, some of us have built, you know, our identity, who, who we think we are, is, is, it, is defined for us in our past. Uh, our emotions, sometimes it's like, where did that anger come from? You ever get home and you're mad and you get mad so easily at your family? It has nothing to do with your family. It has, it has to do with what happened to you at 9 o'clock in the morning. Magnify that, you know, if something happened to you when you were 12 years old. Or, or you got let off from work and you know you shouldn't have gotten let off from work and it's been affecting you for the next five years. I mean, it just happens, right? And then relationships. A lot of us are, 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 are bad in relationships or in times of relationship because we don't have a good past of relationships. And then our mindsets uh, about the past get shaped by the past, so we look at things through a lens filtered by our pain or filtered by the way it was done to us, and then we just do it to others. And then all of us, our past forms our definition of success, which becomes the scoreboard in our lives. So when someone says, how are you doing? How's life going? You look at a scoreboard. That scoreboard was handed to you by your upbringing or by your culture or by your society. And so we're all looking at a scoreboard, and then we're asking God to help us win. And, and maybe we're looking at the wrong scoreboard because we were given a scoreboard that you are how you look. You are what people say about you. You are you know, what you do and what kind of career you have. And, man, you're nothing if you don't get to here by the time you're 30. And you're insufficient if you don't look like this and own this kind of car and drive this kind of thing and wear these kind of clothes. And that's your past showing up. So here's our question. How did Paul come to view his past in light of this encounter and this transformational experience with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And he talks about it in an incredible passage of Scripture. It's probably one of my top five favorite passages of Scripture in all of, in all of Scripture. So we're going to jump to Philippians chapter 3 and watch Paul unpack this for us. So here's what he says. He says, hey, we boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. The flesh is the stuff that comes out of us. It can be good stuff, but it's not of God's stuff. But you more than likely, it's prideful good stuff or it's sinful bad stuff. So we do not put confidence in the flesh, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. Now, what Paul is saying is this. He's, look, I am only going to boast in Christ Jesus. That's my confidence. That's my hope. That's what I look to for who I am. When I look to keep score in my life, I look at Jesus Christ. I don't look at my past. I don't look at what I've done. I don't look at my pedigree. I don't look at what culture tells me to look at. I look at Jesus Christ hanging on the cross for me, dying instead of me. I look at the empty tomb that tells me I have hope no matter what. That's what I look at. That's what he means, my boast is in Christ. But he says something interesting. He says, but I have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. So there's a tension and a battle for Paul. I can look back, and there's things I can be proud of. I can look back. There's things I can be ashamed of. But I'm not going to look back and put my confidence in anything but Jesus Christ. He unpacks that. Here's what he says. If anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he starts listing his spiritual pedigree, his cultural accomplishments, his religious achievements. It would be like, us. man, I've read the Bible 15 times. It's like, man, I was raised in church. I was raised a Christian. I was raised right. I'm a good person. Look at me. And he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew, born of Hebrews. No one was a more committed Jew than me. He goes on and he says, regarding the law, I was a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, I was passionate. I was persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. In other words, people would look at me and say, I am a great person. I could be a role model for all the little kids. 
But he says, I can't put my confidence in that. I can't look back. I can't do any of that. And and so we have to understand, as we read this and understand this, we have to understand something about this journey we're on in following Jesus, that our salvation almost never results in instant transformation and deliverance, especially from the past and its power. And, And so... So many of us were told, just get saved, pray a prayer, attend a class, maybe get baptized, and man, then you're good. And then here's what I see happening. Seen it a thousand times, seen it in my own story. That happens. Praise God. We love it when people get baptized. We love it when people surrender and give Jesus the steering wheel of life. We love it. And most people get on what I call the high, the Christian high that lasts you know, two weeks, six weeks, and everything is good. And then something happens. The past comes back. Man, how do I deal with difficult people? Because the only paradigm I have for dealing with difficult people is to get mad, get even, get ahead. Or the only, the only way I deal with difficult people is to stonewall, to ignore them, and to get them away. Or, or, or suddenly, you know, as you're growing in Christ, it's like, well, you know, God wants you to be generous with your money. And then your past tells you, well, no, money is who I am. If I don't have money, I'm not in control. I don't have power. How can I give up that? And that's your past. And, 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 then, and, we're just, and then we just plateau in our growth because we're, we're shackled to, imprisoned by the paradigms, the problems, the pain, the wounds, the scars, the mindsets of our past. And, and that's insufficient Christianity because it keeps us from getting and receiving the greater grace that God has for us. So Paul is going to keep unpacking this. So let's journey with Paul. So he goes on, he says, but everything, so something new. He tells you everything he could be proud of. He even talks about, I used to persecute the church, everything that I could be ashamed of. He says, but everything that society says was a gain to me, everything in my past, I have considered, I've calculated, I've made an appraisal. So he's started to assess, and I now consider it to be a loss because of Christ. So he takes all of his past, and he puts it next to Jesus. Remember, he started with, I boast in Christ only. He takes all of his past, and he puts it next to Jesus. He says, man, Jesus is so much greater, so much better, so much superior, so much more powerful than my past. He says, more than that, I also consider. So he's doing a lot of appraising, right? I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he says, look... Everything that, that, that is pales in comparison to Christ and gaining Christ, and this is almost like a car overtaking another car. That's kind of what the Greek language is. So everything just overtakes because I'm knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and that has what I'll call transcendent and transformational power. See, some of us, you know what, we're, we're asking God to bless something that God's like, no, that, that, that gets in the way of knowing me. And you got your idea that you needed that something from your past. Some of us are sitting here like, man, God can't bless me. He hasn't blessed me because of my past. Paul would say, stop. Stop. Do an appraisal. The offer on the table from God is to have Christ. Irregardless 
of your past. Because remember, remember what I said. The prize is available regardless of your past. And he, Paul continues, he says, Because of Jesus, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. I knows what that is, right? That's as close to a bad word as you're going to get in the Bible, okay? I consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now, look what he's saying. My life as a Pharisee, dung. My accomplishments as a Hebrew of Hebrews, dung. Who I used to be, who I thought I was, let me change it up, poo-poo, right? <laughs> what people thought of me and my reputation was so good among the, 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 the Jews and the Pharisees, poo-poo. So that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And then he says this incredible phrase, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. So I am made right with God, not because of anything I have done or have not done. I am made right with God through what Jesus has done and given to me by my faith in him. So let me just tell you what that does, okay? If you think you're right with God because for most of your past you've been a good person, you're wrong and you're missing the prize because it's not having a righteousness of my own. If you think the best is not yet to come for you and you are disqualified from God because of things you have done that you know were wrong, that you know were shameful, that you know you're guilty, then guess what? That's the best news I could ever share with you. Because you can have Christ and you can have his righteousness, not because of anything you have done or have not done, not having a righteousness of my own, but righteousness that is simply through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And because of that, then everything in the past loses its power over you. And now you look to the future like Paul. and He says, now my goal is to know him. My goal is not to make it to the top of the corporate ladder. My goal is not to have the most followers on Facebook or YouTube. My, my goal is not to, to get to the end of my life and say, man, I've done the 72 things I put on my bucket list. I don't even have it, but I have one thing on my bucket list. To know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. That is one of the most hopeful statements that you'll ever read. And it's not a hope built on what happens tomorrow in the news cycle. It's not a hope built on what the doctor might say. It's not a hope built on what people think about you or what he or she did to you. It's not a hope based on, man, will I get the promotion or not? It is a hope built 1,000% on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So, Paul is teaching us a few things. The first is this, there's a new recognition when I say recognition, I'm using that word considers. The new recognition is I don't have it and I cannot get it. 
and it is this, the prize that our soul wants, not having that our soul was wired to receive, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. He recognizes that no matter what good things he found in his past, no matter what things culture said made him a winner, made him a champion, they are all dung. He recognizes he can't be good enough to earn the prize. He recognizes that he can't have sinned enough to disqualify him from the prize. That's a message for the most self-righteous, goody-goody religious person here today. And it's, the, it's a message for the person who thinks they are the worst sinner and you're secretly nervous the building may fall on you. That's, but it's, a, it's recognition that, hey, it's not about me. It's not about what happened to me. It's not about what anybody did to me. It's not about what anything I have done. It is what he has offered to me, and I am not disqualified from the greatest prize in the cosmos. I'm qualified by faith in Christ. The second part of that recognition is this, that Paul teaches us to see Jesus as more than. Now, here's where we get very deficient. Somehow we all see Jesus as Savior sometimes. Maybe we see him as a good teacher or a good person or a Lord. But most people don't have this understanding of Jesus as the prize. Paul does. And he's like, look, there's nothing in my past that disqualifies me for the prize. So the best is yet to come for me. The best is yet to come for me because he sees Christ as this grand prize and you'll never get better than Christ. God can give you no greater blessing than Christ. Does everybody, you may not believe what I just said, but I'm going to say it again because I think we need to hold on to it. God can give you nothing better than himself and he's done that. He's given Jesus on the cross and the spirit in your heart. He can't give you anything better than that. Now some of us live as if he can but that's making something better than God. It's the old formula I give you. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now, now we don't, we're not taught to live that way. And so what happens is Jesus plus something, and you put your something in the blank, and when your life or life events keep you from having that something, that forms a wound, a scar, that's a past that will shackle you. And then you get mad at God or mad at Jesus or you feel like you're less than or, or something or insufficient or deficient. And, and Paul says, no, no, no. It's Jesus plus not my past. It's Jesus plus not what people think of me. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He's the prize. And that recognition begins to give Paul a new framework for viewing himself and for viewing his future. Paul has what I call true freedom. True freedom is this, when the most important thing about me is what God has done for me and who he is to me in the gospel. When the most important thing about me is what God has done for me and who God is to me in his death, burial, resurrection, and subsequent adoption of me into his family and placement of me into his kingdom. That's the most important thing about Paul. It's not that he was raised a Pharisee. It's not that he killed a bunch of Christians and threw others in prison. See, let me tell you something. Everybody in this room, if I asked you or somebody asked you, hey, what's the most important thing about you? Immediately, 
you are tempted to tell people something that is like, well, most important thing about me is, man, I'm a mom. Most important thing about me is I'm a grandparent. Most important thing about me is here's my job, here's my career, and, and I, I cheer for the dogs, and I cheer for the Braves, and I stayed up too late this week watching them, right? That's, and, and we're just tempted to go there, right? Because that's what we think, that's what society says. The most important thing about us is what we like, what we don't like, what we do, what we don't do, what we've done in the past, what places we've gone to, where we visited. No! When you start doing that, then things in your past begin to take power over you in your present and rob you from the prizes that God wants you to have most in the future. Just imagine you walk out of here and and said, hey, the most important thing about me is not what's happened to me, not what was done to me. The most important thing about me is not how I messed up my first marriage. The most important thing that's about me is not what the doctor's telling me. The most important thing about me is not the money in the bank. It's not the promotion. It's not COVID. It's not what I just watched on Fox or CNN. The most important thing about me is about what God has done for me and who God is to me in the gospel. You would be free. So that's true freedom. And then Paul's scoreboard is this. I just want to know Jesus. Initially, Damascus Road, and increasingly. I just want to know Jesus. That's Paul's scoreboard. You know, our scoreboard is, hey, was the weather nice? Our scoreboard is, you know, are things going my team's way that I'm following? Are things going politically my way? Are things going economically my way? Are things going relationally my way? Paul puts that aside and said, that's dung compared to what? Knowing him, initially, Damascus Road, and increasingly on into eternity. That's how we get the power of the past is diminished. See, everybody needs to understand, right? God doesn't save us so that we escape hell, but so that we get him. We get him. We get him. So what happens when you take this recognition, this freedom, and this goal, and you put them together, your past is now put in its place. Your past is now put in its place. Your past is now put in its place. And now you have energy to pursue the prize. Instead of your energy going to nostalgia, instead of your energy going to bitterness, cynicism, anger, frustration, Instead of your energy going to singing about the glory days with Bruce Springsteen, your energy now goes to pursuing the prize. Look at what Paul says. Not that I've already reached the goal. I'm not there yet. I I don't fully know Christ or that I'm already perfect. I don't have everything together. Who said you have to? But I make every effort, I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Jesus got a hold of me, and I'm moving forward with him. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but here's what I do. Lean in. Forgetting what is behind. And reaching forward to what is ahead. He's not saying we just suddenly, you know, have amnesia. No. But he's saying the past no longer enslaves me, no longer holds me back. I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm reaching forward to what what is ahead. And I pursue as my goal 
the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. This tells me three things that are fantastic. First one is this. We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about a new direction. We're not talking about anybody here having arrived or being perfect, but we are moving in a new direction. And see, if we're not careful, here's the thing that happens, okay? We're, so we're not forgetting in terms of like losing our memory. We're ter- in forgetting in terms of the power and perspective of the past. So our positive past, we never want to substitute nostalgia for gospel-bought hope. Never, ever get in a position where you say the best days are behind me because that is anti-gospel. That is anti-gospel. Then some of us, our negative past, we never give failure the final say in our story. Okay? So listen, just because it is a part of my story does not mean it is my story. Okay? Just because it, whatever your it is in your past is part of your story, does not mean it is your story. And and, and so the beautiful thing about this is, look, so Paul, go back to Paul. Paul goes into the city of Damascus like God told him to do. And I want you to see what happens. He spends a few days getting acquainted with the disciples, but then went right to work, wasting no time. So he's a murderer. He's the poster boy of Judaism on one day. He's a convicted, broken sinner, saved by the grace of God, not having a righteousness of his own the next day. And he's got this past, and he wastes no time preaching that Jesus was the Son of God. But his past still shows up. Look, the people were caught off guard by this, and they were not all sure they could trust him. I don't blame them. So his past is following him into the present. So does Paul let what people are thinking, what people are saying, keep him from the prize, keep him from his purpose? They kept saying, isn't this the man who wrecked havoc among the believers? So does the story end? Is Paul done? Because, oh, people just won't believe me. People won't follow me. Oh, my past is so bad. Oh, they don't know what I've done. They don't know what I've done. They don't know what I've given up. A lot of us, that's where we go, right? I can't move forward on purpose because of my past. Is is that what Paul's going to do? Listen. But their suspicions didn't slow Saul down for even a minute. His momentum was up, and he plowed straight into the opposition, trying to show that this Jesus was the Messiah. So listen, the best is yet to come. When the prize is Jesus. Now, listen, if the prize is having a great marriage, maybe, maybe not. If the prize is never, ever, ever having to worry about money, no, not promised. If the prize is being goody-goody and never making a mistake, If the prize is just staying healthy until you're 95, if the prize is, man, a great economy, if the prize is my guy winning the the election, if the prize is, man, everybody's saying good things about me on social media, 
You're going to get wounds and scars, disappointments, missed expectations. You're tempted to become suspicious, bitter, and cynical. But if the prize is Jesus, past can't shackle you. And pursuing him will guide you. So some of you today, you need to get up and go to the city. Some of you today, you need to stop being slowed down. Pick up the momentum because it's worth it. So we got to say no to spiritual passivity. But we have relentless effort driven by grace. You know what the grace is? The promise that the prize is available irregardless of your past. The prize is available irregardless of your past. So here's where we are. But one thing I do, and maybe, maybe this weekend there's one thing many of us need to do. Because that, that sin is still just kind of clawing at you, nagging at you. Your nostalgia, God, I wish it were 2019. Oh, God, I wish it were 2019. God, I wish I could go back and redo that conversation. Oh, God, I wish I'd never taken a drink. God, I wish I could go back and have that conversation again. I don't know where you are, the Holy Spirit, and you do. But one thing we can do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what ahead. I pursue, we pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let's bow and pray. So some of you with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just you and God, you the Holy Spirit, maybe some of you are hearing the call to come to Jesus right now. You're hearing Jesus and his Holy Spirit invite you to pursue him as Savior, as Lord, and as prize. We call that salvation, conversion, being born again, becoming a Jesus follower, recognizing he died for you and instead of you so that you could have him, that you could have hope of heaven, forgiveness, new life, life in Christ. If you're saying yes to that, I just want you to share that with us through a conversation in the lobby, something in the chat room, or comments online, or the next step cards for folks in the room. But there's not a single person, including yours truly, that doesn't have some past issues that show up as present pain, present emotions, present paradigms, present perspective, in a way that if we're not careful, would keep us from pursuing the prize. So whatever it is, you need to forget so that you can pursue. Would you just tell that to God right now? And he hears you. And he's with you. And then let's just all ask God, the Holy Spirit, to do just one small thing. God, make Jesus Christ. Become the biggest, grandest, greatest, and most glorious prize to me and my soul and my future. 
And as the Holy Spirit does that in our spirits, our minds, and our hearts, there are no longer any bad days. There are bad moments. Because the best is still and always and forever yet to come. And Jesus, Rockbridge Community Church, this weekend, we confess something to you. You are the best. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray.